Good morning, Yom uh, Yerushalayim Sameach. Today's daf is daf Chof Tes. Um, today's shiur is Ilunishmas Ben Sion Ben Zeev Avram Alevi, Reb Yitzchak Rebbe Yechezkel, Umaras Brina Bas Rebbe Eliezer, and Reuven Ben Leib Idol. May their memories be a blessing, and may the Neshamas have an aliyah. Regarding the, it is also for a full shleim of Pesah Bashaina Bela. <coughs> May she have a completed speedy recovery. Um, today is Hayom Shloishim Shloishov Arboim Yom Shaim Shishosh Fuos for Yom Echad Ba'Omer. And as and let's start. We're going to go from the <coughs> fifth last line of Chov Chesamud Beis Twenty Eight B. So remember the Mishnah, so it brings the quote from the Mishnah, etc. It says in the morning, just before they shecht, when they were ready to shecht the Karban Tomid, they would send a lookout to go onto the roof of the Beis Amidash and see if it was really dawn, because one time it turned out that it wasn't, and they shechted the Karban Tomid too early, because, and with the reason we gave was, they thought that the, the shining of the moon, just before it rose, was confused with the shining of the sun that was going to rise shortly afterwards. So the Gemara asked me, Machlif, how would you get confused? He says, Rebbe taught that the, the shaft or the column of the moon is not the same as the shaft or column of the sun. It seems the way that they shine, I don't know exactly how to define this, maybe the rays of the moon or not, but when you look at them, they don't look the same. They're the ones more straight. Well, well, we haven't. Yeah, we haven't said it different. They're not comparable. He says, The shafts of the moon shine, um, shine straight like a staff, and Timur the shafts of the sun, it disperses to our to either side. So it seems that when you would, if the moon was just below the horizon, about to rise. It would be a lot straighter the light. Don't know exactly what that means. Whereas the sun's more diffused. So why, how would you get confused between the sun and the moon? It says, Yeah, sorry, the whole question was because remembering they made it make sure it's the sun shining from here until Hebron, etc. It says, It was a cloudy day. And therefore, the moonlight was dispersed. It seems either you only saw the moonlight where it broke through the clouds. So you didn't see a clear column. You just saw patches or, and it looks like all the clouds make it look like it is spread out as it slowly, slowly shines. And I guess is refracted through the clouds. So Omar, Rav Mamina, Kula Rav Papa says, we learn from here that a cloudy day... In cert, for, for certain halachas is considered like a fully sunny day. Lamaina, I, there's not even generally for certain halachas, as we'll see, you want, you can't use the sun or it can't be in the direct sunlight. So go to the shade. He says, however, when it's a cloudy day, we don't have this distinction of the, of the shade. Says Lamaina, Afkamina, what halachas? Lishchute, oiris, to spread out hard. Ah, you want to spread out hearts in the sunlight to dry. If it's overcast, you don't have to worry where it is. Just put it out because the sun is dispersed through the clouds. 
and as it's the way it's dispersed makes it considered sunny everywhere else. Inami lekadorish rova or like rova's rosha ishaloi tolosh loi bechama veloi bechamechama. A woman should not knead the dough from matzah neither in the sun or with water heated by the sun. The reason is because remember, the warmer the dough you're working with is, the warmer the water in the dough, the quicker it rises, which is a problem with matzah. So therefore, you don't work in the direct sunlight. If it's a cloudy day, she can't work outdoors because everywhere has the status of indirect sunlight, even like in, in what would generally be considered the shade. Interesting enough, I know that you can, they do say that you must put on sunblock even on a cloudy day. It's the way the sun still, the rays still come through. It's just refracted, or I don't know if refracted is the right word, but through the clouds. Um, Omar Abnachman, Zuhama de Shimsha, Koshi Mishimsha, the Simoneich Dana de Chala. The hazy light of the sun through the clouds is harsher than the regular sunlight. And the way you remember this is the lid of a jar of vinegar. I, when the jar of vinegar is closed, the smell and the aroma gets like trapped and condensed in the bottle. So that the moment as you start opening the lid and there's a small gap for it to get through, it comes through that gap very strong. So, so too the sunlight on a cloudy day is struggling to find ways through. And when it finds a small way through, um, it will shine very strongly. He says the, yeah, it seems the dazzling brightness of the sun through clouds is harsher than the sun. It's the regular sunlight. And this is like dripping. I have the sun that's like poking through the clouds that you just see bits and pieces is worse than just consistent, more unpleasant than regular persistent sunlight. And the way to remember this is dripping. If you have water dripping on you, it's much more uncomfortable than if you're just fully submerged in water. You know, there's nothing... As, as little as it affects your wetness, walking through a drizzle is very unpleasant. And not only that, I know um, there's what's called... I think it's called Chinese... Uh, it's, it's got a name. It's a special type of torture that they use that they tie the person down and they just make a constant drip onto their head drip, drip, drip onto the head and it actually drives them insane. So that's, we, see, we know the annoyance of dripping and he's saying that's the sunlight that can't really, that's, um, that's dazzling bright because of the clouds has that same effect. It's not consistent yet it's very aggravating. Um, you know, interesting, I know, we know like sometimes on an overcast day you really think you need your sunglasses then because it's just, if there's that extra Bright, it's, a, it's, it's bright. It's not nice and warm and light like regular sunlight. It's just very bright. Okay, now once we've mentioned these certain things that you would not necessarily expect to be harsher than something else, we're going to mention, mention something similar. A few similar teachings along these lines. Hirhura Avera, Kashum Avera. Thoughts of Avera are harsher than Avera itself. And the way to remember this is the smell of roasting meat. How Rashi learns is that desires that you can't fulfill wear down your physical body more than when you actually fulfill the 
desire. I not necessarily he's not speaking about the what that whether the Aveira is worse or not, but he's going on your physical body that the, the Aveira is worse. And the smell of roasting meat, well we know someone who smells the delicious smell of roasting meat is much worse off physically if he can't eat it than the people who are allowed to eat it. So that's uh, so too with uh, desires and things like that. I mean, there's that famous Gomorrah that we had in Sanhedrin of the person who was actually going insane. It says he was, he was uh, desperate to be with a certain woman and he was actually going to die. And remember, they asked the sages, can he find he can't be with her? Because that's inappropriate. They're not married. But maybe he can uh, talk to her. And they were like, not a chance. Maybe you can look at her through a fence, talk to her through a fence, not a chance. But there we basically brought that. His desires were causing him to go, um, yeah, to get, become very unhealthy. Okay, another example, Shili the Kaita, Kashim Kaita. The end of summer is harsher than the beginning of summer. With Simoneich, and the way to remember it is Tano Shigira, an oven, a heated oven. Um, what's that? It seems that all the, the 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 heat that wears you down after a long summer it takes it's much more it affects you much worse at the end of summer because you've it's been so constant there's been a lot of hot days, um, and that's the same as an oven that was already warmed up that day takes a lot less effort to warm it up. So so to a person who's like struggling because of the heat of the sun. Later on in summer, they're going to be affected much worse by a lot less heat because of the compounding um, over the whole summer. And just interestingly, I mentioned I meant to mention on the previous points so how I explained it was according to Rashi that we're going on the physical being. The thoughts of an avera can be harsher to a person than actually fulfilling the avera because when you can't uh, satisfy your desires, it can affect you very negatively physically sometimes. Um, that uh, the Ram, I saw the Maratz Chayos quotes the Morin Avuchim quotes the Rambam and saying no, he says we got to remember what's our most valuable asset, what's our most valuable part of our being that is our mind, and a thought and fantasizing about doing Avera affects your mind. It ruins your mind, which is the greatest gift from Hashem. Unlike if you actually carry through with an Avera, you're just affecting a certain body, or, uh, a certain part of the body, whichever part of the body you do the Avera with. But that's much less of a problem harming your body spiritually than harming your mind spiritually. So that's the ramp. The that's how the Maharaj Chaim wants to explain this piece, which I thought was quite quite an amazing concept to think about. But that we often forget. Could say our most valuable uh, part of us. And it's actually, according to the Rambam's whole theory, is that our main purpose, not the whole theory, one of the Rambam's principles, uh, yeah, one of uh, the ideas that come up often in the Rambam, is that our mind, our seichel, is what we really use to connect to Hashem. The more we work on learning Torah and understanding and coming close to love Hashem with our minds, that's the, that's the ultimate. So therefore, it would make sense if, if you learn like that, that, the thinking about Avera can often and can often affect you worse, is in a way more disrespectful to the king than doing the Avera. Because again, you can't compare someone who would disrespect the king by damaging something very valuable 
than someone who would damage something not as valuable. Okay, let's carry on. Um, a winter fever is much worse than a summer fever. The Simonel Tanura Kurira and the way to understand a way to remember that is a cold oven. If you get a fever in winter, it's got to heat your body just not from normal temperature to fever. It's got to get it past all the cold of winter to normal temperature. It's the same. The effort it takes to light a cold oven is much greater than the effort it takes to light to reheat to reheat an already warm oven. Migmar beik beaktika kashemichadosa. Learning what is old that you have already forgotten is harder than learning new material. And the way to remember this is making cement from old cement. If you take fresh mud and you make cement from it, it's much easier than if you take old dry cement and grind and crush it and mix it up to make to make new uh, cement, new mud. Um, but, and that's the same with learning. If you Sometimes, if you keep something fresh in your mind, it's a lot easier than going back and trying to work it out again. I think from various aspects. One is it's disheartening. When you go back to a piece of Gomorrah that you know you've done before and you don't remember it, it can be, it can be disheartening. And then there's just other aspects. We naturally don't want to do something we've done before. So to have to sit down and rework it out is very, very uh, harsh. Uh, um, it's, it's a very harsh uh, process to have to go through. Um, and therefore, I mean, I guess the, the main solution would be to do lots of chazorah, do lots of revision. Um, now we're going back to our discussion. Omer my time with the Rebbe. Where's the source for Rebbe that he said the difference between a moon column and a sun column, that the moon is straight and the sun column disperses? So the Siv as it's written, um, a song to the conductor over the about the hand at morning hand the female deer my yellow carnel mefatsilois the canalacan of shakar zemafsiel canalacan just as a deer its antlers spread out so too the morning sun the light spreads out to either side omrib zera laman inchla ester la why is Esther called a hand? If you look at that Tehillim, Chazal make a lot of uh, comparisons in the Gomorrah and in other Chazals between that Tehillim. Um, Tehillim, what's it? Chof Beis, I think. Let me just check quickly. Um, yeah, Tehillim Chof Beis. Ayeles HaShachar say they say it's referring to Esther and it goes through the whole Tehillim and you can explain it as the story, the Purim story of what Esther was going through. So why is Ayeles HaShachar refer con why is Esther compared to this, to this deer? It says, Just as a Han has a narrow womb and her, her, her mate loves her every moment, like at first, so to Esther, Achashverosh loved her every time, like the first time. And Omar Rabbi Laman Imshla Esther le Shachar, and why she compared to the Shachar, generally we would translate that as dawn. But he says, Loimalachom ma Shachar soif kolalayla, af Esther soif kolanisim. Just as dawn is the end of the night, so too, Shachar dawn is the end of the night, so to Esther was the end of all miracles. Oh, it says, Vahoika Chanukah. What do you mean the end of miracles? What about Chanukah? Wasn't Chanukah a miracle? So he says, Nisne lichtov kolamrinan. 
No, what I'm referring to is this that you were allowed to write it down. I this that could become part of Tanakh. Esther was the last miracle. This is all very well according to the opinion that says Megillas Esther Esther is part of Tanakh. What about the opinion that Megillas Esther is not really part of Tanakh? Interesting, Rashi gives an example. What's the halachic ramification of it? At the end of the day, we have it written down and we're obligated through the Nevi'im to learn it, to read it every year on Purim twice, etc. So what's the difference whether it's actually part of Tanakh or not? So the, the, the Rashi explains, because if it's part of Tanakh, then remember it has a, there's a gzaira that it makes food tome. Okay, and the other, he showed him bring other examples, but that's just an interesting one, I thought. So, but how would you learn? Why would Esther, how would you explain this phrase that Esther was the end of all miracles? He says, He says, no, it doesn't mean the end of miracles. Why is the tfila of a tzaddik compared to a hard? calls as long as it's growing its horns or, or grow also spread so to tzaddikim the more they daven i shachar is has another and is one of the words for tfila the more they daven the more likely it is to be heard um um so that yeah, they bring from here. That's the importance of davening. If you don't feel you're being answered, don't give up. Daven again. Don't be afraid that you're bothering Hashem. He appreciates the tulits of tzaddikim. So daven and daven, just like a hand's two antlers spread out and spread out. So to our we must spread out and spread out. I was thinking. I mean, another comparison. Also, what's Esther got to do with it? One of the main one of the main reasons that we attribute the that Benazrael deserved the miracle to be saved from uh, from uh, from Haman and Achashverosh was the tefillah of Esther and the tefillah of the Jews just before um, just before um, Esther went to her feasts with Haman to get the deal the 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 uh, decree of Achashverosh rescinded. Okay, let's carry on. I mean, it's an amazing day to speak about Sof Kolanisim, um, the day that miracles ended when on the 1967 war, many say is a very, is a very miraculous and clear time. So we're going to have to work on understanding what does it mean, the end of all miracles. Also, don't we say that each day of our lives, it's full of miracles and wonders that Hashem does for us. So what does it mean, um, Esther was Sof Kolanisim, Esther was the end of all miracles. Um, yeah, so again, the, the simple answer is that it's the last miracle recorded in Tanakh that could be part of Tanakh. Okay, Shoftu as Atomid, the Mishnah continued that um, the one day they shechted the Tomid and then they realized that it was not yet dawn. So they went and they had to burn it. So he says, Amos, what day of the year was this? Now, the reason this is the Gomorrah assumes. That the following clause, um, because the Mishnah then continues, and then you take the coin goddle to the mikvah. 
Now he wants to learn that's a continuation of this story. So the story was going on the day that they ended up having to burn the Tommy, the Tommy because they shechted it too early. And then they took the Koi Godel to Mikvah. Now the difficulty with learning that is we're going to say as follows. What was the confusion? Why did they end up? bringing Shecht in the common Tommy too early because the Kohen, the lookout, got confused between the moonlight and the dawn. Now, that happens, really, this that the moon rises around or shortly before sunrise, well, sorry, before dawn, that is only at the beginning of the month. Whereas the avoider that the coin Godel does, when, so that, when do we insist that the coin Godel does the avoider that we would be mentioning, yeah, and the coin Godel then had to go to Mikvah? That would be on Yom Kippur, which is on the 10th of the month, well into the month, not right near the beginning. So that's a very, uh, um, so that, yeah, so that's what's, that, that's where we're going to run into trouble. It says, maybe you'll say that this, story happened, this event happened on another day of the year, I another month near Rosh Chodesh. So there's lots of the love Kohen Godel. Did it have to be the Kohen Godel? So it's a be Yom Kippurim. It must have been on Yom Kippur because we emphasize that the Kohen Godel was going to do that order. But then there's no light of the moon around the time of sunrise. You wouldn't have this confusion around the time of dawn. So it's not Haki Komar. This is what it's saying. As soon as they confirmed that the dawn was starting to shine, then the Kohen Godel would go to Mikvah. Aye, in other words, we're saying that um, um, in other words, we're saying that the the first part of the mission is the reason why they made sure that it was proper dawn and not getting confused. And that's why they had that procedure. And then on Yom Kippur, once he said it was light, on Yom Kippur, that was when I, that's not connected to the story. Tanya Not only if you shech the korban, a korban at night, does it become invalid? Like we just learned in our Mishnah, they shechted it too early. They shechted it at night before dawn and they had to burn it. But so too, if someone, if the coin does melika or commits at night, the korban would have to be burned. What's melika? Remember, for a korban, there's a very special way that you shech the bird. The coin takes his nail and puts it through the back of the bird's neck. That's how you shech the bird. So if he does that at night, it's also invalid. And so too with the flower offering. Remember, the coin takes a commits a kind of fistful of the flower and separates that to burn on the Mizbech. That's the equivalent of the Shechita. And if that is done at night, the Koran also has to be burned. So he says, Okay, this rule makes sense by the Oilas Oif because what was, was, I, you shechted this bird, you did Malik on this bird at night and there's nothing you can do, so it's invalid. Says, but with the koimets, just put it back in the bowl and take the new kmitzah the next morning. Uh, he was standing by, ready to take the this this koimets from the mincha, and he took it too early. So now, what the koim godel's got a bowl with a kmitzah in, a handful of flour, and the other bowl with most of the flour offering. And we're saying that's invalid, and you have to go burn it. Why not just pour the flour back into the original bowl, and you'll do it in the morning? 
Why not just reset it? He says, no, who Tani Lovel, who Amalo, he he was the one who taught it and he explained it. He says, Kli Shores Makachina Filu Shalov is mano. A Kli Shores can sanctify an object even when it's not its time. I when what happens what happens with the general commits, and then we'll say how it fits in with the time, is the coin takes the commits and he puts it in a Kli Shores, it's temple service vault to take it up to the Mizbah and burn it. That sanctifies it, that sets it as the Kemitsa, which makes the rest of the Korban Mincha the Shirayim. So now you have the Kemitsa and the Shirayim, and you can't remix it. It's, it's set as the Kemitsa, and the other set as the Shirayim. So, so not only does that happen if you would do it in the day when you're supposed to do it, but even if you do it at night when you not supposed to do it, it also becomes sanctified as the Kemitsa. Obviously, it's not to the degree that you can offer the Kemitsa, but to the degree that it's a Kemitsa, and now it's invalid because you took the Kemitsa at night. It says, they challenged us. Something that is offered during the day becomes sanctified during the day, and something that is offered at night becomes sanctified at night, just going to skip the next few lines because Rashi, yeah, different gears says take it out. Katani mihas kolak korev beyom kodesh beyom beyom in belayla law. How we learned in that brisa that something that can become sanctified, something that is offered during the day can become sanctified during the day, implying that it cannot become sanctified at night. So when you have this mincha offering and you separate the commits and put it in a klishore, is that not? You haven't done anything. It doesn't become sanctified. It doesn't become set as a commitser because it doesn't work at night. It only works during the day. So he says, no, Dilma ain't a kodesh aval kodesh lipso. What we mean, what we mean, it doesn't become sanctified. We mean it doesn't become sanctified to the degree that you can offer it, but it does become sanctified to the degree that it's possible. This Moshe Rabbi Zayir, Rabbi Zayir challenges us. He says, "Sidurus alechem ve'esabazikim achar hashabbos." What happens if you only put the lechem upon him on the table and the frankincense, the the spoons or the bowl of frankincense that go with it after Shabbos, I on Sunday? When you're supposed to put the lechem upon him on the shulchan on Shabbos? We mentioned it earlier in the Masechta that every Shabbos they would take out the old Lechem upon him, put in the new Lechem upon him, but you're supposed to do it on Shabbos. And then the following Shabbos you take it and you burn the incense. What happens if you do it on Sunday instead of Shabbos? If you would then burn the Bezikin on the following Shabbos, Pesula, it would be invalid. Why is it invalid? Because the bread has to be on the table for a full seven days. And this bread has not been on the table because it was put on on Sunday instead of the day before, the Shabbos before. So he says, Kate said, Yase, so what should you do if you have this lechem upon him that you didn't put on on Shabbos? He says, Leave it for the second Shabbos. Leave it for the following week because even if you leave it for many, many days, there's no problem. So you're basically going to leave it on um, instead of for seven days, you're going to be leaving uh, and because there would only be six days, you're not going to leave it on the table for 13 days till the second Shabbos. But now the now Rebbe Zaira says, based on the principle that we said at the top of the page, what did we say? That if you put something in a Klishores, it becomes 
Kodesh to the degree that it can become invalid. Now this bread, that this lechem upon him that's on the shulchan from Sunday, well, it's put on on the wrong time. And you're going to leave it a whole week till it's there on the right time the following Shabbat. Almost a whole week. So it should become possible during that time. The shulchan should make the shulchan, it's a cliche, this table in the base of Midas that you put the lechem upon him is one of the serving vessels. And when you put the bread on in the wrong time, it should become invalid. So, Amarova, man de komoisis, shapi komoisis. It says, is asking a good question. I, based on this brysa, that is true. Oh, however, Bavur de Rebi Avin, Nami Manisa Kaomar, Rebi Avur de Rebi Nasan, de Rebi Avin, also has a mission in line with him. Ah, you can't refute him from this price, sir, because he has another one. Where do we see this? The Kosovar, well, yeah, we haven't seen it yet, but Kosovar, and he holds, Laila Ein Mechusuzman, Yom Mechusuzman. The night, this is a tricky line, but we'll explain it, the night is not considered too early, whereas the day is considered too early. I.e., in other words, remember the night precedes the day. So if you're supposed to offer this korban in the day, and the night before you take the kmitzah, what have you done? On the day, it's the same 24-hour day that you're supposed to offer that korban. And therefore, it can become kadosh, because it's when you are supposed to, but it becomes invalid because you separate it at night instead of the following morning in the day, the same day. However, with the shulchan, what's happening there? It's six days before. Are you putting it on the table? You're leaving it for six days before it's supposed to be put on the shulchan. Therefore, it's as if you did it in this day for the next day, and that doesn't count. Aye, so we've made an interesting distinction according to Avur de Rebbe Avin that this that we say that something can become sanctified and invalid at night is only the night before the morning or the day it's supposed to be offered. Again, because it's the same day, so it's not too early. But if you would do it the whole day before the day it's supposed to be offered, then it would be too early. It would be, in a way, as if you did nothing. It says, Oh, but then on Friday night, when Friday night arrives, the Lechem Apurim should become Kodesh and invalid. I.e., the following Friday night. Remember, you put this Lechem Apurim on Sunday... And what you're really just doing is leaving it till the next Shabbos when it's supposed to be put on and then you leave it for a whole new week. But that Friday night that it's left on the Shulchan is the night before the day it's supposed to be placed on the table. So that Friday night it should become Kadosh. And since it's the wrong time, because it's Friday night before Shabbos day, it should become invalid. So he says, so Omar Ravina, Ravina explains, no, Shekhar Masalka, it must be a case where you removed it. I, they left it on from Sunday to Friday. Friday afternoon they took it off the Shulchan. And Shabbos morning they put the Lechem upon him back on the Shulchan. Mazutra and some say it was Ravashi. He says, Ravashi says you can even say we're speaking about where he left it on. The whole of Friday night he didn't take it off the Shulchan on Friday night. Since it was arranged at the totally wrong time when it's not supposed, when it's mitzvah was not to set it up, it's as if a monkey did it. I, there's no thought 
in putting the, there's no thought, there's no significant act of putting the lechem upon him on this table on Sunday, a week before it's supposed to be put on. Almost a week before it's supposed to be put on. So therefore, it's as if a monkey did it, it's as if it wasn't really put in a klishores. To be put in a klishores and it becomes kodesh, it has to be done with a level of intent. So that's, so that's how we explain the sugya. Again, we started with, if you take a commits at night, it becomes invalid and you'd have to burn the korban. We said, why? Just put it back in the bowl with the rest of the flower offering and the following morning you'll take the kamitza. And we explain, no, that when you take a kamitza, the night before that korban is supposed to be offered, it gets the status of a kamitza. But obviously only to the degree that it can become invalid because it's the wrong time. And we compared that, we explained how that fits in with the lechem upon him as well. Let's just do one more small piece. It says, they had a general rule in the base of Migdash. It says, Granted, I understand why if the Kohen Godel has to go to the bathroom, he has to wash his feet again. Remember, we said in the Mishnah, if a Kohen Godel, if a Kohen or Kohen Godel urinates, he has to do Kirush Adam He has to wash his hands and his feet. So he says it makes sense he has to wash his hands in case there were little splatterings. On his, sorry, it makes sense. He has to wash his feet in case there were little splatterings. Ella, you die my timer. But why would he have to rewash his hands? I, he, he can go to the bathroom by just moving his clothes out the way and not touching anywhere, and his hands don't become dirty. So why should he have to rewash them? So Amar Rabbi Abba, Zoy Someres, Mitzvah Lashachet. Rabbi Abba says, This teaches us that it's a mitzvah to rub any splatterings off his feet. We'll see shortly why, but that's why he, so his hands will get d- dirty with u- urine and therefore he must go and wash his hands to Kirush Yadayim as well. And this is a support for Rabbi Ami. The person shouldn't leave going to the bathroom where he went to urinate with little droplets splattered on his feet. It looks like he's a cruz shivcha, and it will cause people to speak badly about his children, that they're actually mamzerim. What does that mean? Um, so, remember, a cruz shivcha is a certain injury to the organ, that it makes it when he goes to the bathroom, it doesn't spray out, it just it falls straight down onto by his feet. So if someone walks out the bathroom with droplets of urine on his shoes, people are going to think that, oh, look, he might be a Khrushchevcha. And according to the Torah, Khrushchevcha is not able to have any children. So how does this person have children? It must be, he, uh, it must be, they actually mamzerim. His wife became his the father. His wife became pregnant from someone else because he couldn't father children. So that's why you have to wipe your feet, wipe all the droplets off your shoes, and therefore the kohen's hands would become dirty. And therefore, every time a kohen goes to urinate, he would not only would he have to wash his feet in case they're droplets, he would also have to wash his hands because he's obligated to wipe his feet to make sure that there are no droplets on them. Very interesting. Let's just do some of this to- fascinating tosses to show him. So he says here, this is to take it to practical halacha nowadays. I mean, when do you, if you just urinate, you have to go, you have to wash your hands. And, not in, and when he also then takes it to Asherah Tzar. But he says as follows, Omar Rabbeinu Tam, ki 
Rabbi Rutam says, Mikan Yesh Lilmud, this is Tosfas Yashanim, Shehanichnas Lahashtin Mayim, Ein Sarich Little Yadayim, Im Loi Shishuf. If a person doesn't wipe his shoes or his feet from spots, then he doesn't have to wash his hands if he just urinated. And not in that, if he does wipe his hands, when he washes his hand, he doesn't have to say, You might have thought, every time you have to wash your hands, you have to say, What? It would be the same as if a person touched something dirty. Or you would Shoes were dirty with mud. What does he say? You have to, if your hands are dirty from dirt, you have to wash your hands. But there's no mitzvah to say a brocha al You can go into basically the only time we say al is when we wake up in the morning to go daven. You wash your hands before davening, that's where you say al or when you wash your hands for bread, but that's a totally different discussion we want to discuss. Now, if you have to wash your hands just because they were dirty, you don't have to wash your hands. So based on a contraband time, if you made sure not to touch any parts of your body when you went to the bathroom, and not to obviously wipe any urine off your shoes or, or shoes or anything like that, so your hands would become dirty, you wouldn't have to wash your hands. And then he says, interesting, this is not how we pass it, but he says, But Rabbeinu Meir, that was Rashi's son-in-law, the father of Rabbeinu Tam and the Rashbam, he wouldn't say Asher Yatsar, unless he went, unless he defecated. He says, But Rebbe, I'm assuming that's Rabbeinu Tam, but I'm not sure, or the Re would say it every time, would say Asher Yatsar after the bathroom, and that's how we pass it. Every time you go to the bathroom, no matter how much you do, no matter how little you do, even if it's only one drop, we say Asher Yatsar. He says, no. Just going to the bathroom, you're obligated to wash your hands. As Al-Mish, as we just learned, it just says, Every time a coin would go wash his hands, and there's no qualifications. Every time a coin would go to urinate, you'd have to do kiddush yadai varaglaim, and they come together, and we don't see any qualifications. Um, and therefore, he would have to. But he says, okay, and then he says, you could say that maybe this is regarding sanctifies hands for... Uh, for the base Hamikdash, there's no distinction, but for davening, would you really have to if your hands weren't dirty? Um, but obviously, if you touched something dirty, like you cleaned your feet, you would have to. So that's very close to how we actually come out La Halacha. I mean, that's how we, we, every time we go to the bathroom, we wash our hands. There are grounds to say, if let's say you, just to, to make it clear, you keep your one hand in your pocket and you only use one hand, there's grounds to say you only have to wash that one hand. And then obviously we would say Asher Yatsar. And then, uh, but 
and not Natila Sitaim. As I said, we only say Natila Sitaim when we getting when we get up in the morning before we go daven. That's when we say sorry, not Ashir Yatzar, Al Natila Sitaim. Um, interesting enough, the Vilna God learns that for every tefillah, when you wash your hands before you daven Mincha and you wash your hands before you daven Marif, you should also say Al Natila Sitaim. But that's a separate discussion. That's not on we Paskin. And we do say Ashir Yatzar after every time we go to the bathroom. Okay, and we'll leave it there for today.